cybercrime conundrum, victims who won't say ransomware, and CrowdStrike sales growth slows. These stories and more on this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Anna Delaney. In our first story today, executive editor Matthew Schwartz shares insights from an interview with Rebecca Moody of Comparatac on how some corporates who've been victim of ransomware attacks are avoiding the word ransomware. What is a ransomware attack called if it's ransomware? But an organization that's fallen victim doesn't want to call it ransomware. Some companies have become expert at spinning, as in using corporate speak or weasel words, to avoid having to ever say the word ransomware. Enter a raft of press statements or data breach reports from companies that talk about suffering unexpected downtime or perhaps a cybersecurity incident. The word cyber attack is another favorite. So what's going on here? Clearly, companies aren't comfortable saying they've been hit by ransomware. That's despite the volume of ransomware attacks appearing to have recently declined, at least against the healthcare sector. So I think maybe hackers have become a bit more targeted in their approach, which has caused a bit of a dip. That's Rebecca Moody, head of data research for Comparatech. Her firm has been tracking the impact of ransomware on the healthcare sector. Obviously, it's good news that the volume of attacks seems to have declined by any amount. But some other shifts are less welcome. There's also a change I've noticed because I go through so many breach reports. A lot of companies are now sort of avoiding the word ransomware or it's almost like there's a stigma around it. So you'll see a a data breach report and it'll say, oh, we've been hit by a cyber attack. And it's like, well, that's very broad. What do we mean here? Sometimes they will say that systems are encrypted. So that kind of gives you a good indication it's ransomware. But I think there's kind of a movement away from publicly admitting to having suffered a ransomware attack unless their hands are tied and systems have gone down, the hackers have publicly released data and so on. So I think the dip may be because there's less ransomware attacks, but I think there are other factors playing into it as well. Businesses not coming clean about cybersecurity problems or attacks isn't new. We've seen this for years with data breach notifications. Some organizations issue clear, informative notifications designed to help victims better protect themselves. They also issue these notifications soon, but not too soon after an attack, when they've identified exactly what happened and who is at risk and how. Many other organizations, however, employ a variety of tactics, seemingly designed to try to minimize their culpability. For example, anyone who wants to hide bad news tends to put out a press release on a Friday, hoping it will disappear by the Monday morning news cycle. In breach notifications, marketing spin too often gets used with abandon. Victims love to talk about how sophisticated attackers continue to prey on society and how they are but the latest to be caught up in this unstoppable tsunami of criminality. Too often, however, there's no mention of what an organization might have been doing to protect itself. For example, by employing sophisticated defenses, logging, robust monitoring, and so on, all of which might have better detected, blocked, and mitigated the attack. Now, this isn't to blame victims, but a lack of clear, forthright language complicates efforts to track ransomware, not just by industry researchers, but also by defenders who want to help everyone block these types of attacks. It also doesn't help police, who are trying to track and disrupt gangs, potentially warn victims in advance of systems getting encrypted, and sometimes even recover cryptocurrency ransom payments if a victim chose to pay. 
Understanding the scale of the problem also helps policymakers, not least to ensure there's sufficient funding for law enforcement, as well as emphasis on helping businesses to better help themselves via better cybersecurity resilience. So it's great news that the volume of ransomware attacks may have recently declined. But to truly combat ransomware, we need to see an increase in reporting by victims who come clean and come forward and tell it like it really is. For ISMG, I'm Matthew Schwartz. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. A longer sales cycle for small businesses and delayed subscription start dates for large enterprises has forced security vendor CrowdStrike to lower its sales forecast going forward. I asked our business editor, Michael Novenson, for his take on the story. Great to see you, Michael. You've reported this week that CrowdStrike sales growth has stalled as SMB clients delay spending. Tell us about it. Of course. Thank you, Anna, for having me. So what CrowdStrike is finding is that the small and mid-sized businesses are really applying a lot more scrutiny to deals and that they're having to go through a lot more checks or verifications before seeing a sale through to completion, whether that's legal, whether that's privacy, whether that's compliance, that there's just additional layers in order to get purchases approved right now. What that's meant for CrowdStrike is that sales outside of the enterprise, which would be that small and medium-sized business, that those are taking 11% longer to close. And as a result, in CrowdStrike's fiscal quarter that ended October 31st, that that new annual recurring revenue was down $15 million directly as a result of this. So uh, they did emphasize that most of these deals, it's not that companies are just walking away from purchases altogether. Virtually all of these are getting to the finish line eventually, but they're just taking longer to get there. For CrowdStrike, that just means that money's coming in slower than they had anticipated. What about larger enterprises? What are they doing? Larger enterprises have a different set of challenges. Uh, CrowdStrike executives did say that they haven't seen a slowing of purchasing from larger enterprises, that they are still procuring at the same rate as they were in the previous fiscal quarter, which ended July 31st. And some of this is that larger enterprises are more bound by compliance and privacy regs. So there's less, uh, they often have to make purchases. It's a must-have, not a want-to-have. But having said that, these large enterprises typically are procuring CrowdStrike technology on a subscription basis. What they have done is essentially staggered the start of their subscription. So if they're buying several CrowdStrike modules and asset management and cloud security and endpoint security, so if they're buying a number of different modules, and most CrowdStrike customers buy five or six different modules, they're having different ones initiated different times. And in particular, pushing the start date out to a future quarter so that they don't have the expense line on their balance sheet for whatever the customer's particular quarter is. So it's a way for customers to help manage their operational expenses, to take care of the balance sheet, to control costs. But again, what it means for CrowdStrike is money that they expected to come in this quarter now is going to come next quarter or the quarter after that. The other piece that they had said is, again, just macroeconomic uncertainty is that some or many larger enterprise customers, after having multi-year subscriptions, are only doing a one-year renewal, that they just don't want to be locked in for three years or five years. So they're the renewal period is actually shorter than the initial contract, which is atypical. Usually people renew for at least the same length as the initial contract if they're happy. But everybody just wants the flexibility right now, especially if things get worse to not be locked in. So in terms of the large enterprise, this was a $10 million bite out of their annual recurring revenue from these delayed subscription start dates as compared with the quarter before. So just more things that are making it harder for 
CrowdStrike to bring in the money they expected to bring in. So is it all doom and gloom, Michael? I mean, what do these trends and figures say about what's to come? I think there's two takes on that. I think CrowdStrike was very candid and transparent about the macroeconomic challenges, perhaps more so than some of the other publicly traded security vendors have been. And it did make it clear that even a very well-regarded cybersecurity company like CrowdStrike is not immune from the laws of gravity. The macroeconomic pain will be felt by all. And even if cybersecurity is seen as less discretionary and more of a necessity, the the laws of gravity apply here as well. And CrowdStrike has to deal with the effects, including in their case, that they're also going to slow hiring. Having said that, they do bigger picture actually that the slowdown may be an opportunity for them. Their expectation is that the slowdown will drive consolidation, that budget conscious customers will be looking to reduce their security footprint and get more security capabilities from future vendors. And their feeling is that that they can be a beneficiary of that since they do have of course their strength is an endpoint or founded as an endpoint detection response vendor, but they can do asset management and cloud and identity and some other They have upwards of 20 different modules. They just bought an external attack surface management company. And so their feeling is when companies are looking to consolidate or looking to reduce the number of agents they have, that CrowdStrike will be a popular choice for those folks. And they also feel that just financially, they're on more sound footing. They have $2.5 billion on their balance sheet. And so when they're looking at folks who didn't go public yet and are kind of stuck in a purgatory with funding, when they look at folks who maybe aren't as cash rich, that their feeling is that they can be aggressive if M and A opportunities arise. That they can be aggressive in pursuing new customers when the opportunity merits, and that their more stable financial position will help them weather the storm better than some of the smaller firms as the recession perhaps deepens. Well, Michael, this has been helpful analysis. Thank you so much. Of course, you're very welcome, Anna. And finally, ahead of ISNG's mission critical securing critical infrastructure, connected devices and crypto and payment summit on December 13th to 15th, I spoke with Ben Deering, Director for Cybersecurity and Operations Policy at the White House, about leveraging threat intelligence to protect critical infrastructure. I asked him how can private sector entities help the U.S. National Security Council to help them with better intel. Here's what he said. I want to say really first, I think several sectors and many firms in these sectors have already been very constructive in how they help us help them. An example is, and it's only, I guess you could say that the pilot scale level, but uh, several sectors have hosted or welcomed me and, and my interagency colleagues over the last year on site visits. And those are very important. And let me just explain for you know, why I'm even t- talking about these among all the ways we could partner is, uh, so we've been over the last year to an LNG plant, a gas compressor station, a rail facility, and a major water treatment plant. And each time it's been great, we've gotten to sit down uh, with the plant operators and the engineers, as well as the network defenders. And it's it's amazingly uh, insightful, I would say. I mean, we always, we always come away both uh, impressed with the complexity of the systems that our private sector partners are operating, the great lengths they go to ensure that they remain safe and reliable, and then how sophisticated their their cybersecurity and other security measures already are. Uh, And so those are are very helpful. And one of the reasons that I say that they're helpful is, again, I've touched on several times now, 
um, the idea of you know, providing sector-specific information. Well, obviously, we can't do that if we don't understand the sectors. You know, if we don't understand, you know, how the aviation sector is different than the water sector or the grid, and what that means, both in terms of the physics of those sectors, but also kind of the network architecture, et cetera, of those sectors, how that changes maybe the attack vectors that are most likely to be utilized by an actor or the capabilities, level of mature capabilities an actor might need to disrupt one sector versus the other. All of those are helpful. You can't get a sense of that sometimes until you go out and understand some of these real world sites. So we've appreciated that. That's it from the ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time.